Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Anthony, and this is Bottom Bracket Biking Podcast. A couple's guide to biking. Welcome to episode 26. Today, we have two interviews that we're really excited for. We're talking to finishers of the Iowa Wind and Rock, but before we go into that, let's take a look at upcoming events. Yep, let's do it. Well, and I do want to note, we do have a change for events. We had a lot of different things show up and decided that in keeping with the uh, theme of the podcast, we'll be focusing on gravel or mountain biking events. Oh, that's the politically correct way to say it. We don't want to read off 20 events. Perhaps not our audience would care about. Yes. So if you are interested in more of the paved rides or party rides or things like that, definitely check out Bike Iowa. That's where we're getting our information. But otherwise, focus on the podcast will be on our gravel and mountain bike events. So, to start with, the first event we have is the Silver City Century. This is the first race in the Iowa Gravel Series, and it will be Saturday, May 8th in Silver City, Iowa. It's a 100K, so 62 miles, and notes say that the route will be released the Wednesday before the ride. This is one of the rides that we talked about with the Iowa Gravel Series earlier on the podcast, so it might sound familiar. Yeah, I thought I'd heard of that before. Can I do mine now? Go for it. All right. IMBCS number three, that is the Iowa Mountain Bike Championship Series, is going to be at Sugar Cubed, and it's going to be a marathon race Saturday, May 15th. Uh, here they say 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And this is one of my favorite events of all time because it is endurance and also mountain biking. It is a four-hour marathon cross-country race over in Salon? Solon. Solon, Iowa. Sugar Bottom Recreation Area. Yeah, it's right by Cedar Rapids on the east side of the state. I highly recommend it if you like endurance and cross-country stuff. It is a great uh, event. Third event is actually one that you can't sign up for anymore. It sold out the day it was released. This is the Indy 50 Gravel Rally, the second annual. It is starting in Indianola at West Hill Brewing Co. on May 15th. And this is to benefit the local animal shelter. So each three-person team that signs up is asked not to pay, but to donate. It could be supplies or money to the shelter and then raise awareness for that. It is the second year they're doing it. And it's kind of a unique thing in that it's a three-person thing. It starts and ends at the brewery. It's really cool. And we know the guy who's putting it on, but... He doesn't pay us to promote him, so we just like the ride. (laughs) I did this ride last year. It was really fun. If you were not lucky enough to get signed up this year, definitely keep an eye out for that next year. And if you're going, I hope you enjoy it. And that's the same date as the the marathon cross-country race I just talked about. So, sorry, can't do both unless you can be in two places at once. But that is our events for the two weeks. Let's go on to the interviews. We have two people. First one will be Corey Rude. And the second one is Mike Ivancic. I had to practice that a couple times, and I'm pretty sure I got it right. I wanted to give the listeners a bit of a warning. The second interview with Mike, we talk about a homicide that's part of his reason for cycling. We don't get into any details, really. It's just a fact of his life. But if that's something that you, you know... It is a traumatic fact of his life. So we wanted to make sure that 
listeners were aware of that. And if that's something that you might be sensitive to, maybe skip the second interview. Yes. And after the interview, Mike emailed us and said, hey, if people are struggling with this kind of thing, uh, have them go talk to someone. That's that's what helped him out was talking to a psychiatrist, actually. Boy, that got deep. But I just wanted to give listeners a heads up. And it's something that we kind of feel uh, should be talked about more. Mm -hmm. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get onto the bikes. Here we go. So our next IWAR interview is with Corey Rude. Corey, say hello. Hello. So we're going to be talking about what he experienced during the race. So I guess first thing, Corey, where are you from? I live in Piasta, Iowa. It's right outside of Dubuque. Okay. So kind of on the, the edge, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So decent drive, but didn't have to go out of state for the race. So yep. um, not from Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What bike did you use for this race? Hey, I have a 2019 Salsa Warbird. Nice. How long have you had that bike? Uh, got it March of 2020. Whoa. I started out with a cutthroat. And realize that it's way overbiked for 95% of Iowa gravel roads. And I can be faster on a Warbird. So so you did 340 miles and you finished it, right? Yes. Do you know what place you finished? Sixth. Yeah. Nice. I, it barely matters when you go that far, I would imagine. Right. It's more first place, just- first place and then there's everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> Even when I do 100K, I just hope, I just want to finish. that was the only that was the only goal well not the only goal as far as finishing it wasn't that was the goal yeah yeah how long did it take you to do that 32 hours 13 minutes 32 hours dang nice what motivates someone to do 340 miles what motivates you to do it i know what the last guy had what's your (laughs) um finding limits yeah it's just see if you can find them and see you get you have your perceived notion of where your limits are. And I would imagine for everybody at that race, it was far less than 32 hours Mm -hmm. and you go out and you do something and prove yourself wrong. Do you do a lot of, you know, very long distance bike rides? I would say yes. I think most people would say yes. Yeah. Um, But I mean, there's like the dirty Kansas. There's uh, I think we were talking about the Excel ride. Mm -hmm. This was the first ride I've done over 200 miles. Okay. Okay. So, so I've done, mean, I've done quite a f- few in the hundred to 150 range. Yep. So does that mean you did spotted horse last year? I did wind and rock last year nice. in October. Okay. Yeah. Cause they had and them that, both together. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole goal last year was I wanted 200 miles. And then Sarah and Steve pulled the 200 mile spotted horse and just had wind and rock and the 150. So I jumped up to the wind and rock and my whole goal there was to get to mile 200 and under the 20 hour time limit. Did and you make that goal? I, I did. And then I quit. <laughs> <laughs> you made your own 200 mile race. Yep, exactly. And if people don't know, there was one official finisher last year. So that's not a, <laughs> yeah. not a knock on you by any means. No. So this year did anything, um, I guess fun or interesting happen on the ride that you think people should know about. I, I talked about my, Amtrak experience, seeing a train go by at like 11 o'clock just blew my mind. It was crazy. Um, I got sprayed at by a skunk. What? Yeah. Was that the, what mile? Do you remember? Oh, Jesus. This was, this was after the gas station in 
a dare. So like mile 260, mm-hmm. I'm riding down this gravel road and it was, it was a, the two miles of flat section in the whole race. And <laughs> I see what I thought was a raccoon in the middle of the road. And as I'm riding up on it, it ride, runs off to the left and I get over to the right. And as I'm riding by, I'm like, that's a skunk. And I'm like, that's the business end of a skunk. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's this, and I'm like, it just sprayed at me. Luckily I was on the other side of the road. I was out of range, but. Oh, that would have been rough coming back smelling like, yeah. or just even having to ride smelling like skunk and dealing with that. Yeah, as that you're would have riding. been bad. I mean, after 200 miles, you probably smell a bit like skunk anyway. Yeah, but like, <laughs> it's not skunk skunk. Right. <laughs> That's Gosh. I've never had that happen. I have almost had animals run out in front of me and that that's fun enough. Yeah. No, this was, this was a first I've never had a skunk spray at me ever in my life, let alone on the bike. So I don't think I've ever heard of anyone else having that happen on a bike either. That might just be an overall first. (laughs) (laughs) How many, how many of these have you done? Is this your only your second one or have you done a bunch of them? No, this was my second wind and rock. I did spotted horse in 2018 and 2019 yeah okay i finished the 150 both of those years i finished in 2018 the 150 and i should not have because i was unable to like walk for two weeks afterwards that was a miserable miserable which, which speaking of that after riding for 32 hours how are you how are you feeling this week um everything's good except my right pinky uh-huh is still kind of tingly yeah mike he had that Similar problem. Mm-hmm. It apparently it's, it sounds to be fairly common. Yeah. I mean, you spend 32 hours holding on to the same thing over and over again. It, it's bound to cause some issues. Yeah. I think the more shocking part is that you spent 32 hours doing that and don't have more issues. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I guess good segue there. How did you train for this race? Um, so I knew after last year that I got my 200 miles in there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel for a finish. So I was all in, I spent all winter in the basement, staring at the wall. I just rode my face off in the basement. That sounds brutal. Yeah. We talked, I didn't think about that when we were talking with Mike, but this is in April, right? So mm-hmm. what month it is? It's in yeah. April. Like how yeah. do you, you can't go out and do a 200 mile ride in February. Most weeks. Most, yeah. I'm not in Iowa, at least. Yeah, not if you still want toes at the end of the ride. Exactly. So, but no, wow. I it was it was a lot of basement work. Did you have anything like Zwift to get you through that, or was it pretty much just on oh your yeah. Own? yeah Zwift and Pandora and Netflix and I found that I can't really follow a storyline while riding bike, but I can listen to music and I can listen to podcasts as long as the intensity is not too high, but. Yeah, I've tried to program while riding a bike. It doesn't work. I can play video games that are like don't require more thought, but then I get in a bad position, so I develop a bunch of bad habits when I do that. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a struggle. Do you know how many miles you put on over the winter then? Uh, since November of last year, I was at 4,200 miles if you count inside miles. Yep. Wow. If you don't, I only had 750 miles. Yeah, if you don't count uh, inside if you don't count training inside, you didn't train at all. Almost like, <laughs> right. Welcome to Iowa winters. Gosh. I mean, Zwift is pretty 
generous in their mileage. If I, there's no way I go outside and average 21, 22 mile an hour, mm-hmm. but in Zwift on their algorithm, I can. So, but yeah, that is kind of interesting that I hadn't thought of that because I average pretty high too. And I just figured, you know, I'm just super good on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ride. Well, on they, the t- road. They, they take a lot of liberties in their assumptions. You know, they assume perfect pavement. You uh-huh. get perfect tires, no glass, no cars, no anything in the way. Perfect aero position, which I'm always yep. in. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. On my mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> so for 32 hours, what did you, what did you eat for that whole time? So as the race goes on, it gets harder to eat anything really. And knowing that from previous experience, I pushed my limit for how much I could eat in the first 16 hours. So I had one liter bottles that you could double mix carb drink in. So each bottle was about 650, 700 calories. Mm -hmm. And then, so I carried three of those. So those, I considered them to be three hour bottles. So those would get me nine hours. Mm -hmm. And then I had maple syrup packets because I learned last year that when it's cold outside, gels get really, really thick and hard to consume. Maple syrup doesn't get that thick when it gets cold until it freezes. And then, but we didn't get that cold this year. (laughs) You got more problems if maple syrup is freezing. Yeah. I discovered that it, well, my nutrition plan when I did the 150 miles, only half as far was just (laughs) down goo packs until I was going to vomit. And, uh, and then that Casey's pizza. Yeah. I I finally got to a gas station. I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to have Casey's pizza. Best decision of my life. It was so good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So you just had drink mix and maple syrup? And then whatever I had in my checkpoint bags and whatever I bought at the gas stations. Okay. What did you have in your checkpoint bags? Uh, Some people way overpack and some people don't pack anything. So a bag of potato chips because carbs and salt. Mm -hmm. Um, Beef jerky, just to have something that changed it up. Chocolate covered espresso beans Mm. that ended up not working out that well. Because they, they were hard to eat and ride at the same time. Oh, I can see that. Because you're trying to get them out of the bag and then you drop a bunch of them all over the ground. And Yeah. I've done that standing in my kitchen. So yeah. I can't imagine on a bike. <laughs> After 300 <Yeah>. miles. <laughs> huh. That sounds interesting. I'm trying to come up with a way to like put chocolate cover espresso beans in a bikeable container now so what kind of what kind of bags do you have on your bike because i assume like what kind of gear do you go out with is it just like water bottles and a feed bag or so I, everything i have a top two bag from bedrock bags i have a custom made half frame bag from them mm-hmm. that allows me to fit my two large water bottles it's similar to like a revelate tangle mm-hmm. bag and we then i have it. and then i have a uh bike packing saddlebag from them. I think it's like 20 liters or something capacity. Yep. Yeah. I, I, it's weird. I don't see very many people go out with like a backpack type thing on and I can't figure out why that is. I did have an orange mud hydration vest, but the only thing that was in that was my two liter bladder of water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was pure water. Cause sooner or later you get to the point that you don't want drink mix. So, so what do you, what do you have for lights? I do you have a generator hub then on the front. I do. And it didn't work. <laughs> I read some of your, uh, your post-race write up and it sounded like you had a, a struggle with the lights. Yeah. So we got to the fairway parking lot and I, it, it worked when we left the hotel and 
I don't know what happened, but it wasn't working when I went to go to the start line. And that was a lot of stress right at the beginning of the race. So did it end up working then? Yes, it did. I don't know when it started, how it started or why it started, but we were rolling into checkpoint two and I noticed a bright spot on the front tire and I'm like, look down and holy crap, my light's working. Sweet. Yeah. Because the battery backup light that I had was not going to make it through the night. We asked uh, Mike about this, but after 30 hours on a bike through the night, do you ever have like visual hallucinations or crazy things happen like that that you just have to like ignore? Um, I didn't this year. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, I think it was like at one in the morning, I was riding up some hill past a farmhouse and they had a dusk to dawn light on the end of their machine shed. And as I'm riding by, my shadow passes me <laughs> and scared the crap out of me. Like I went almost all the way across the road into the ditch, <laughs> freaking out about it was that was passing me. I've heard I've heard that be called black dog syndrome. Because a lot of times that'll happen, a shadow or something on the road will show up and people will be think like it's a dog just like running in front of them and they're like freak out about it. I have that with a uh, marathon mountain bike racing after like four hours of even just four hours. I mean, it's nothing compared to 32, but four hours of riding, I can start feeling like, Oh, those trees are looking at me funny. <laughs> well, and, and that would be completely different. I would think being in the, in the trees, it would be yeah. every little shadow or anything like that would just set me off. I would think that's, that's nuts. The other guy, Mike, he was like, Nope, not really happened to me. And I, I could just see me just having a heck of a time after like, <laughs> 24 hours awake. Anthony would be out there talking to his three new imaginary friends. <laughs> yeah. Start making friends with my shadows. I had a train go by me and it was so surreal that I, I thought I had imagined it. <laughs> like it was just crazy. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it was out there in the middle of nowhere at that time. There was definitely plenty of time where you're riding along and you're the only one out in the middle of nowhere. And you're just talking out loud to yourself. That definitely happens. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. I totally believe that. Mike said he just screamed down hills. Yep. Just to keep himself awake or <laughs> yep. going. Sing, singing songs. and do you, uh, do you listen to music and stuff while you're out there or just no. enjoy the wonderful experience? I enjoy the sound of the rocks under the tires. Yep. Sounds like a very zen place to be. I would think it kind of have to be, you know? Yeah. Well, it, I imagine you'd get into a zone where like you're not you're not thinking the way you would normally. It's, it's like your yeah. brain would shift to, I am bike, bike now. I, am yeah. bike now. <laughs> I, I think my biggest issue with music would be that like, if something came on that was very motivating, mm -hmm. I might outride my capabilities then for a period of time. And that would be a bad thing down the road. So for 30 hours, you could, you could listen to like a whole like podcast, like the whole thing front to back done all 50 episodes. <laughs> You could get very sick of listening to some people's voices too. You could listen to one yeah. audiobook. <laughs> so do you have any events coming up that you're you're planning on going for? My wife and I are gonna do the last dam on our tandem. How long is that? 240 miles. Oh my god. Nice. Starts at mid starts at midnight in Gary, South Dakota, and you got 24 hours to get to Hager City, Wisconsin. Yep. Wow. That sounds like a heck of a race. Is it gravel? Yeah. I know how that race would end for me and my wife uh, in divorce. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we just have to take like a weekend apart. 
So I'm assuming that you and your wife have ridden the tandem quite a bit then. Oh yeah. Yep. So how does that go? Is it, do you have struggles with it or is it pretty easy to get into? Most days it's pretty easy to get into. Sometimes there's like, we haven't been on it much since last year. The first couple of rides on, it'll be a hair pulling experience for a little bit. Really? (laughs) Yep. And and most of it'll be my fault because I'll hop on it and it'll be like, yep, we're just going to shift and I'm not going to tell you about it. And, or I'm not going to call out this bump or anything like that. And she gets rightfully mad about that. Well, that sounds like a very, very communication heavy bike ride by necessity. Yep. The, the shifting's not so bad. You get used to that and she'll pick up on my cues on when we're going to shift, but calling out like bumps and stuff that you don't do when you're riding your own bike. On a 240 mile or or on a tandem in general, do they typically go faster or slower than a single bike? Um, Flats and downhills. They are faster Mm -hmm. uphill. They are extremely slower. (laughs) Yeah. I, I was wondering because you have two people, so you have, you know, twice the power and you'd only clear in the air of one person. So I figured flats, they'd probably be a bit better. Mm -hmm. Back when we had a road tandem, we hit 60 mile an hour going down a paved hill. Oh, wow. Nah, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. That's way too fast. When, uh, when is that event? August 15th, 14th, something like that. Nice. So are you planning on doing spotted horse too? Yep. Okay. I am planning on doing that. Sweet. And so I am now, uh, just picking brains of all these people who are really good at it to figure out how I can do it and continue <laughs> you don't to walk. What, what was you don't that? want to pick my brain then. Oh, no. You you did it <laughs> last year and this year. You've done over double that distance and you're still functional. Like, <laughs> you have achieved something. <laughs> my experience was I was unable to walk afterwards and I couldn't bike for about two months. And uh, literally my only goal for this year will be be able to bike within a week. <laughs> so I'm curious on Iwar, what did you think of the hills? It sounds like there are some pretty brutal ones. Um, so on our side of the state, we get big hills where it's like mile, maybe a mile and a half long, and you'll pick up six, 700 feet elevation at the most. So I'm not afraid of going uphill, but we have ridges and valleys that you can ride in and take a break for five miles. And the first to, for, to checkpoint one was just constantly either you were going downhill or you were going uphill. There was no in between on that. And it was, it was a slog getting to checkpoint one. It's weird how all of Sarah's races are like that. I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, it, it's gotta be an accident. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. What a coincidence. So Mike made a comment that I hadn't thought about is, you don't know what your elevation is going to be like because you don't know the course until you get handed those cue cards. So does that change anything for how you prepare for a race or is it just, I know I'm going to have Hills deal with it. Nope. I, I'm, I'm used to Cooper races and I knew exactly <laughs> what I was getting into. It's I, I knew what it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to, I don't need to see the course profile or anything like that. I know it's going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. And you don't need to see the forecast either. You know, it's going to be raining and miserable. It's shocking. Yeah. Hey, this year was pretty good. I mean, it was a lot of them. Yeah. Comparatively, it started off raining though. Right. Yeah. Yep. This is just finishing up when we started. Yep. And then the, it was a, it was a great day for it. If I remember right, like, yeah, it was a bit cold, but no, I didn't think it was cold. I ended up in shorts and a t-shirt well, or Jersey overnight. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, it all came back out overnight, but. So I, I guess on a ride that long, do you pack almost like a whole extra set of, not an extra set of clothes, but all your warm stuff too for the overnight? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had an extra pair of socks and checkpoint twos bag just so I could have dry socks going into the night. Oh, that sounds nice. But then everything else was on, on the bike. Cause I'm trying to think if, if you were only to go for, let's say 15 hours, would you need to do that then too? So for like spotted horse starts at six in the morning. Yep. You would just, depending on what the weather forecast ends up being, you would just need somewhere to carry like your tights or okay. your long sleeve Jersey or jacket that you had on. Because if I remember right, that doesn't they don't have drop bags there. So it's not like, well, I don't know what she's going to do this year. Last year they had a drop bag on the 150. So, oh yeah, because it was with COVID, COVID they weren't going nope. to any C stores. They're restricting a lot of that stuff. That yep. makes sense. Okay. Yeah. This I don't know if she's going to keep that or not for Spotted Horse, but yeah. she did keep it for Wind and Rock. So, yeah, I've got a I've got a cross bike, and so the frame isn't especially large, so there's not a ton I can do. Otherwise, I can't put my water bottles there, and I'd rather have my yep. water bottles than anything else. But maybe I'll maybe I'll look at a backpacking bag, mm-hmm. a seat bag. Yep. You said you had a seat bag, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So did you have any weather related issues? How were the B roads? Uh, the B roads were fine, except for the first one. And I listened to Steve Fuller when we got to that road and I'm like, oh, it's starting to stick. And he says, just go faster. So I went faster and it didn't help. <laughs> No, don't listen to Steve Fuller. He just says stuff to mess with you. I don't know about that, but. (laughs) (laughs) So after. The worst road was, it was Lewis Avenue and it was in Guthrie County, I think. And it wasn't even a B road. And that road just, that road wiped so many people out of the race. Was it bad gravel? Just muddy? It was, it was almost like they took rock and mixed it with river silt. Ooh. and laid it down thinking it would pack down and then it rained and it was just this soupy mess. It didn't stick too terribly bad, but it brought the rocks through your drivetrain. And then all of a sudden you run a rock through your derailleur and it's dragging on the ground. With a ride like that, do you have to replace like your whole transmission, your whole gearing when you're done with that? Or you just keep running it, wash it no, off and call it good. Wash it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know Check some- the chain, make yeah. sure the chain's not shot. That's what I did when I ran way too much mud through my derailleur one time. I just, eh, it's good enough. Probably it's fine. That is, I have a feeling that this race is going to like, someone needs to start a tally of how many derailleurs I wore and spotted horse has taken out of commission. (laughs) It's gotta be over 20 by now. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure it took at least 10 out this year. Mm -hmm. I know it took two out last year and that was in the first mile of the race. Yeah. So that's why you should use a single speed, right? Oh, obviously. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Don't even think about it. I nope. cannot imagine. Like, yes, it would be nice to have one less thing to think about, but not being able to get to granny gear going up those hills. I, yeah. I cannot imagine. Yeah. Somebody made the comment to me that single speeders are nuts. And I said, yeah, because if I was going to do this on single speed, I'd want my 31 in the front. Like I've got my 34 in the rear. And that'd be my gearing for the whole race. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I need that to get up the hills. (laughs) All the flats. You just be cranking as hard as you can average like five miles an hour. It'd be fine. Don't worry about it. You heard what he said. The first 
like section of the race, you're either going uphill or downhill. So you're either pedaling up a hill or you're coasting down. Yeah, it's not a bad point, actually. <laughs> what, how long does it take to recover from a ride like that? I mean, 30 miles, being up for 30 hours, I would lose my mind. I can't imagine riding for that long. Do you have to, like, what does it take to recover from that? Um, so we're what, a little over a week out now? Yep. And other than my one hand issue, I don't really have any lingering effects. The car ride home, my wife drove home Sunday afternoon, halfway home. I'm like, we got to stop. I got to get out and walk because I couldn't straighten my legs out completely. And they, that was starting to hurt. Things started getting tight. The next day was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Tuesday was a little bit better. And then Wednesday was okay. So it was two days coming back to feeling normal. Yeah. For two to three days, my feet, calves, and knees were swollen quite noticeably. Ooh. So have you ridden since then? Ridden a yeah. bike since then? Yeah. Yep. And it's yep. just fine? I, I, I don't have any punch. Yeah. Like if, if we were riding with a group and they decided they wanted to hammer it up the hill, I'd be like, see you guys. <laughs> that is so interesting. Dude, 340 miles. That'd be the last thing I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking to people about this, it makes me want to try it. Do spotted horse first. That's the thing. Sarah does it so that you do spotted horse and you do that. And you're like, mm, wait a minute, maybe I can do a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much how it went. I did her the first, well, it wasn't the first gravel race, but my first experience with her events was 2018 spotted horse. And then came back 2019. The intent was to do the 200 miles there, but that was another muddy year and ruined that idea. And then last year, I actually got to 200 miles when I wasn't doing spotted horse. So you'll get there, dear. No, nah, I won't. <laughs> I don't. Well, until then you can talk to people who did. Yeah. So thank you for coming on. I mean, I, I love hearing people's different stories and it's really cool. There's people from Minneapolis, Chicago, Kansas city, everyone, mm-hmm. everyone comes to that event. Not it's, everyone. You get, yeah, there's, there's people from all over that come. I rode at the beginning with the guy from Arkansas. Oh, and nice. He's like, he's like, I had no clue. It's a silly here. This isn't going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> he probably was thinking Iowa. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Yep. Be nice yep. and easy. Yeah, no. That's funny. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you want listeners to know about the race that you had? Um, about my race? Pers- not particularly. Um, the only <laughs> Just- thing it, it I can't complain. It went well. It never felt like it was going well. So I guess a piece of advice would be that even if it doesn't feel like it's going well, just keep going. That a- is really interesting to think about. Cause like, yeah, you're, I guarantee that as you're going along with that, there's going to be something that you could pick out that's uncomfortable at any given time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it, it, it's constantly moving. There's it's, Oh, my feet hurt right now. Oh, my butt hurts. Oh, my legs. I'm going too slow. I'm this wind sucks. The mud sucks. Something always sucks. Just got to keep going. Yeah. I, oh man, I can't wait to try half that distance <laughs> at the end of the year. Are, so, are you going to be there? I think. You yeah. Said, yeah, yep. Right? yeah. Yep. So is there anything that you would change either for spotted horse or if you're going to do I again in the future? Uh, what check to make sure my dynamo works more than five minutes before the start of the race. <laughs> Does everybody have a dynamo because it's so far? Nope. You could do it on a, on a battery light. Okay. 
you just got to make sure you got the runtime to get through the night. Yeah. Yeah. How many hours were you riding in darkness? All of them. <laughs> I want to say it was like three hours at the start. And then it was like 10 or 11 hours overnight. <laughs> wow. Which time, time just stops moving. Like you have no clue what time of day it is when you're riding in the dark. You don't know if it, the sunset two hours ago or eight hours ago. Uh, Whereas when you're riding in the day, you have this subconscious, you're paying attention to where the sun's at. Mm-hmm. You're like, I know it's afternoon or I know it's early morning or whatever it is. And, but riding in the dark overnight, you have no clue. Does that mess with you mentally? Oh, God. Yeah, it's really hard to tell. Like, is this almost over? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. How much much more dark is there before the daylight comes? I have a feeling I just like be checking my what time it is like over and over and over again. I purposely made it very difficult to look that up. Yeah, that would probably be good. You could go crazy. Just like, oh, it's only been five minutes. I thought it was 50. Yep. I, I did start falling asleep. I think it was like around two in the morning on the bike, which that is not a fun experience. That sounds freaky. Do you just yeah. have to fight that off or do you down a bunch of caffeine and hope for well, the I, best? I downed, a, I downed what I had for caffeine on the bike. That would be the one thing I would change for wind and rock. You don't really need to do it for spotted horse, but for wind and rock, I should have had like three, five hour energies hanging out in the frame bag or something. So more drives. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that always the answer? No. <laughs> I rolled into the gas station at 256 and I poured a large cup of coffee and a Starbucks triple shot energy drink <laughs> and mixed the two together. So because coffee was burning hot. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm not sitting here waiting for this to cool down. I got shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> I got races to finish. And then down that. And then that got me the last four hours until sunlight once the sun comes back up you're awake again surely that's like the greatest feeling in the world seeing the sun come back after just no darkness really no because at that point you're just like this sucks i want to be done (laughs) (laughs) nothing is good at that point right over the sun light is overrated yep so was there not even like the moon out then to no it was it was cloudy to start the night and it cleared off as the night went on and i think it was less than a half moon and the moon, cause I looked this up. The, the moon sat at like midnight. Oh, great. Oh, nice. So it would have been awesome just... if there would have been a full moon. I think I would have anthropomorphized the moon and gotten like really sad when it left me after, <laughs> after that much riding, just come, come back. Yeah. <laughs> there goes my friend. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. It's amazing getting to hear these stories of just like, Okay, let's go out for a weekend and ride the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate you reaching out to us and letting you, letting us talk to you. No problem. If uh, you do any other crazy events, we'll talk to you then, too, if you'd like. If, uh, if nothing else, it sounds like we'll, uh, Anthony, we'll see you for Spotted Horse. Yep. Yeah. I'm actually excited to do too many miles. <laughs> we do a pretty ignorant Labor Day weekend bike race up in this area. It's called the Colesburg Gravel Apocalypse. Oh yeah. I've heard of that. So if, if you want to do a short race, it's only 40 miles. Yeah. That's hey, that bad. sounds like something I could ride. Yeah. With, we're planning on doing a bunch of hundred K's this year with 4,500 feet elevation. <laughs> I mean, you end where you start. It's zero. It averages yep. out. Yep. He keeps saying this. So she hates it. <laughs> 
by that logic, you didn't have any elevation on Iwar, did you? No, none at all. <laughs> the second the second trip through the Rippy Dumps didn't happen either. <laughs> on average, zero zero feet. It's a great ride. Someone's going to throw something at you for that someday. That's fine. You know what's going to happen is I'm going to complain about elevation someday, and somebody's going to be like, no, oh, you said where you start. And I'm going to have to feel like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part is that this goes out to enough people that it's not just going to be me who calls them out on it. Right. So that's what I am looking forward to. It's going to be five people doing it, and I'm going to feel like an idiot. <laughs> That'll right. be well, fun. We'll see you then, Corey. Thanks for yeah. coming and talking to us. No problem. And uh, yeah, have a good night. You too. I look forward to listening. All right. To everybody but myself. I... That's fine. Just skip over that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See ya. See ya. So that was Corey's experience on the Iowa Wind and Rock. And now we are on to hear from Mike. Yes. And before we start, I'd like to remind our listeners that he does talk about a homicide briefly, not in much detail. But if that is something that you don't want to hear, then maybe sit this next part out. Let's go listen to Mike. Welcome to our writer interview. We have Mike Ivancic here talking to us from, I believe, Kansas City. Uh, go ahead yes, and say sir. hi, Mike. Otherwise, hey. you did the... Iowa Wind and Rock, three hundred and forty mile ride. Is that correct? With, uh, I, I did. Yeah, yeah. That was a fabulous, wonderful, beautiful race. Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't cover it before we started, but did you? You finished, right? I did. Yes, I finished on. Uh, I think thirty, right at thirty three hours on a single speed. Yeah, <laughs> and so that is Mike's kind of. I don't know. Claim to fame, craziness is. It is my forte. (laughs) (laughs) You did it on a single speed, and the only guy to finish on time last year did it on a single speed too. That's hardcore. Yeah, Yeah, I heard. uh, I heard about that one. That was tough. Was it your first time doing Iwar this year? It was. This was my first go round. I missed the initial sign up, and then I emailed Sarah Cooper. Right? Yeah, I emailed Sarah, and she was like, "Email me back a couple days later." Said a couple people dropped, so I was in. That, uh, she, she's really cool like that. We know her. She actually lives like five miles south of us. Oh, <laughs> she, I'm going to tell you, she is an incredible race director and I'm going to put her, are you familiar with the Belgian waffle race? I am not. Okay. I've that's in it, San Diego. It's, about it. it's maddening. I'm going to put her in the same category as a Michael Marks that runs that and the director there. He is now in four different States. And the reason why I say that, because she's not afraid to put those hard. He puts it at the end, 138 miles, 127 miles in. There's a 28%, 22% grade with a single track of five miles. That's going to kill you <laughs> on a road bike. And this is a road dirt gravel classic. That's just insane. So I put her in that category only because she puts those climbs in and not afraid to say, you know what, this is an awesome climb. It's hard. And these, this is where we're going to finish. Yep. And I think she's ex- she gets excited about that kind of stuff because I guarantee you she's done those. So she's not sit- putting anything in a race that anyway. So I give her those props because it's huge to do as a director because you really might just scare people off yeah. with some of that stuff. You, yeah, you really have to be a certain type of person to show mm-hmm. up at Iwar. Yeah. And <laughs> you do get unique people. I mean, the people we're going to be talking to on these two episodes, uh, they're all unique in their own right. It's yeah. shocking, really. So what a... Uh, what, what did you ride besides the single speed? What, uh, okay, what the, have? I have a titanium Sage out of Portland and I love Dave with the uh, Sage. He is, 
put this bike together for me because I've ridden with him in San Diego at some of the camps that I do. And I love the bottom. The chain stay says brood in Oregon. So I just <laughs> love that about that. Those guys, it's a titanium. And for my weight, you know, 190 to 200, either I'm going steel or I'm going titanium. Yeah. I'm not going to put a gravel bike through that. I'm going to be on a heavier sturdier bike rather yep. than a, I need the flex. I don't need that rigidness. And that's why the titanium. And then a, my gearing was a, accidentally. So this is a true rookie mistake. 4218, which is ridiculously stupid in that race. So I originally thought for some reason I had a 3818 and, and I had it on my other bike. So I switched it over for a different race and then I didn't switch it back. And that's just part of it. <clears throat> Ah, it happens. What would you have preferred to run? 3818. I mean, if I would have ran in, if I would have ran 3818, it would have been a much faster race and I would have not walked, you know, at 12, 13, 14 of those climbs. I mean, the first, and that's, that's the hardest thing. And that's just knowing, no, I didn't know. I didn't mm -hmm. recon the court. I obviously didn't know the course because the cards were put out. I didn't, I didn't, I talked to Bob Billings here in Kansas city who has done that before and he's i didn't ask him ratios i just asked him about climbs so anyways <clears throat> yeah wrong gearing so what uh what compels someone to run single speed for oh two days straight of riding is it a personal <laughs> challenge or yeah you know if you want to get good i i feel if you want to get good at riding a bike do it on a single speed you're gonna know cadence you're gonna know <laughs> You know, you, you're not going to have the opportunity to shift into an easier gear. So you're going to force yourself to either push that through and get your speed and cadence up, or you're just going to fall off and then get off your bike and walk it. That's fine. So for that, I look at, especially on gravel and especially with rain, when I walked out of my, when I walked out of the hotel room and I saw it raining, <laughs> for some reason I get this smile on my face, like... <laughs> Dude, this is my race. This is exactly what I like because I'm in the I'm in a single speed. So back in 2017, I first started this. You know, I went with the DK, uh, and then in 19, I did the XL on a single speed, and to finish in the top 10 with that group in 26 hours and 350 miles on a single speed. You know, it was only two of us that did it. Yep. So that kind of propelled me to kind of move into that direction where. You know, and single speed's a choice for me. It's it's like, it, I don't have the options. And if it gets muddy like it did, I'm going to tell you, going in that first mud section, that B road, I was with my goal in this was to stay with the front group for the first, till the first checkpoint. That's it. So as long as I did that in the first, there was nine of us going into that first B road. That's 30 miles in. And as soon as I saw it, and I come from cyclocross background, that's where I started. Mm-hmm. I looked at that B road and I said, I have to be in the front because I don't mind taking a crappy line. I don't want to follow somebody else's crappy line. Yeah. yeah. I'll take my, I can take my own crappy line. So all of a sudden I plow through that thing and, and I end up on the other side, look back, nobody's there. I think I was the only one that rode that. And I get off my bike, kick the mud off, get back on it. And I'm riding solo for another 15, 20 miles. And I'm like, I don't want to do 300 miles by myself. So I just kind of sit up, chill. Got uh, the guy who won it. He catches me. So we take off. And another guy from Minnesota, Dave. So James and Dave is with me. And we roll into pretty much about the same time into the first checkpoint. And at that point, I thought, all right, I made it with the first group. That was my goal. Now I'm going to lift my head up and take a look at the scenery. And it was beautiful. 
Yeah, those be- are beautiful areas. That's a beautiful climb. So the area is beautiful. I believe that weekend was really nice too, right? It was it was a shockingly good weekend. Yeah, it was. It got rainy right there in the beginning, which made it super slick. That was first eighty miles, and then after that, it dried up. Got a little cool, high thirties, low forties, and then it was beautiful. It was fine. Yes, wow. that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like it definitely did make a positive difference having a single speed for that kind of stuff. Because we heard of several people DNFing because of broken derailers. Yep. Yeah. Last year we were down mm-hmm. there, and two people made it like less than a mile and their shifter just froze or broke. Uh, oh man. See, <laughs> yeah. I thought about it after that B road. I thought I had to make a choice. Either I was going to race it or I was just going to ride it. And I, I only came out to ride it because it was just a prequel to unbound XL. That's all it was. It was just a tune up. <laughs> Granted, I wasn't, I'm not supposed to do 340 miles to tune up. Nobody runs a marathon to practice for a marathon. It doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do a triathlon to warm up for a triathlon. It just doesn't work that way. But cyclists were a little different. So, well, and you don't have many excuses to ride that far. So I suppose you take them when you can yeah, occasionally. Awesome. <laughs> so I am curious, how did you train for that race? I'm sure that was a lot of hours on the bike. <laughs> Honestly, I think my biggest, the biggest thing I do is every morning I do core. I do core and yoga stretch 45 minutes every morning. Yeah. If you don't have a strong core, you're on 340 miles. Well, I mean, mentally it's one thing, you know, after 200, if you're, if you're not mentally fit, you're, you're spent, but your core has to be there. Yeah. Your body will ride. Your body will keep going. As long as your mind says it's okay to go. So, you know, but I've talked about this a couple of times, how much yoga has been awesome for me. Cause my, my, I have a knee issue cause I'm not flexible enough. And so it's very interesting hearing that's kind of a core strength too. Well, and you have that issue when you're doing a hundred K, I can only imagine how much more it's exacerbated on 340 yeah. miles. Well, it's anything, right? So you look at your car, if you run your car, if you run your car for 340 miles straight at 70 miles an hour, hot, those pistons, everything that moves, right? So our knees, our elbows, everything that has a joint is becoming inflamed with heat. So as you continue, your knees are going to heat up. So the one thing I tell people is down those hills, do not pedal. You have to rest those, you, you rest your legs, man. Unless you're in it to really, really win, you know, you have to rest at every point you can rest. If you're, if you're in, you're doing something like this to finish and you just want to prove something to your point to, to yourself, then those joints have to rest. And so training was mostly that. And then, you know, time in the saddle, right? You have, you got to put the time in a couple hours here, a couple hours. You're talking 20 to 30 hours a week. Yeah. I was going to add 340 miles. When you're riding, I mean, you're not going to go and ride, you know, 300 miles in a weekend, probably five hours. You're talking a five hour ride thresh. I mean, you're, you're doing it at tempo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember the day, I, the year I did the, 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 the 200 mile DK, I rode out to the DK from Kansas city, did the DK, then rode back. And I tried to get my heart rate to spike and my heart rate would not go over 142, 143. It just was staying at that 140 level. Like Uh-oh. it's crazy. I couldn't spike <laughs> it, but that was because my body said, here's, here's our top, right? It's a diesel. Now all of a sudden your top end is not high enough, Yeah, but that's just, that's the body, right? Everybody has their own reasons, but what is your reason for doing a 340 mile ride? Cause that's two days on the bike. I mean, you gotta be. Or just getting into, you know, it sounds like you've done multiple of these events. What, 
what kickstarted that? Yeah, back in uh, January 2019, I had major event happen. Well, I, I tried to I tried to sign up for the XL the first go around, and I got kicked back because I didn't have the experience under the belt. Right, doing a 200 miler or a couple hundred miles here, not not enough to to be in that category. And they kicked me out the minute they opened. You know, they were like, you had to send a resume. So I sent my resume. It didn't happen, and for 2019, and that happens, I think December 2018. Right, you have to put it in for the <clears throat> so 2019 January 1st of 2019. I had my dad, my stepmom, my brother and sister all murdered in Tampa, Florida. And so they were all, yeah, they were killed by my oh, sister's, by my sister's husband. Oh. And it was crazy, crazy. So I, I, had, I had to go down there. My brother lived on the other side of Florida in West Palm. So I had to, I flew down there and I got to the property when the, when the police were actually basically turning it over they were giving they're like here you go we just took the tape down now you have the house holy well, crap. When a crime scene like that is brutal um luckily i have a little bit of experience with that being ex-military you know i raised for a u.s military team being ex-military having experience with being in the war you see some of this stuff now again granted it's not your family it's detached a little more right you're a little a little bit and, and and you have to so what's what's i'm going to tell you i reached out to the cycling community here i was the president board of director for cycling kansas city at the moment uh, at that time in 2019 and uh one of the guys and this is the community man they reached out there was something called the president's ride like 300 people showed up i wasn't even there i was in florida dealing with this mess my uh one of the guys who works for the KBI actually reached out to me, another cyclist and him and I went through this process of how to compartmentalize. Right. So you set your, this backpack or you whatever, don't bring that intern, don't internalize it. So we went ahead and set that backpack off. You know, we've mentally pictured a backpack, everything that I had to internalize. I didn't, I set it in this backpack. So this was the cycling community. Right. And then all of a sudden I had the U.S. military team reach out to me and they're like, what can we do? I said, you know what? You could do one thing for me. Get me in the XL. <laughs> that was it. That was the only thing I wanted. And sure enough, they reached out. Mandy and the guy and the, some of the guys from the team was like, they were like, don't worry about it. You're in. I'm like, all right. So sure enough, I got in there. And it's funny because I spoke with Yuri with uh, Goo. I don't know if you know Yuri. So uh, he had reached out to me. And we had talked and he's like, Mike, you have this well to go to because his dad died the year he went on and did the XL. He goes, you have a very deep well to go to when you get into that moment and you need to reach down and you have to dig deep. You reach. That's what you're going. That's the well you're in. And you have to take those moments and you have to take that and kind of propel yourself out of it. So that was it. You know, that race in 2019. And then my goal was to go out and win it. Now, on a single speed, tough to do, but that was my mentality. And that was for my family. That was for everything that, you know, I put everything out there for that. And that's what propelled me into that. And then since then, it was like, you know, I'm mentally prepared. And I think those are some of the toughest things to do. You know, you hit that 250, 250, and, and that's when it starts creeping in. That's when your mind starts telling you you can't do it. <laughs> yeah. your, body can, your body can do it. You know, I don't think I've, I cramped. I don't think I cramped in either of those 350 mile races. Yeah, I don't even, I can't even imagine going through something like that and that is, turning that in. So had you done 
ultra events like before? Never, never. Okay. Never. Uh, no, that was my first. And, and then, uh, you know, the, the hundred to 150 is generally where I'm at now. So anything yeah. big now. And so I'm looking at that next, I'm looking at the next event, right. Which is for me, it's the unbound XL now. So that's my next event. And that was what that was for, you know, doing, doing Iowa wind and rock was basically just a ride. It was just a training ride. It wasn't out there to win it. <laughs> it was tough for me. Cause I, I seriously, you go 30 miles and you're in, you're in the lead out of the mud and you're like, Oh, do I just go ahead and race this now? Because I have a lot of time on everybody, but no, I decided not to. <laughs> My personal experience, I've done the 150 mile. And after that, I mean, I can't imagine it 2 AM after riding for 230 miles, you have to have a pretty big, you know, why to keep going. Why not just give up and, yeah. and stop. And that question we had in there, because, you know, it's always kind of interesting. And I, I hadn't considered that because it's such a mentally challenging thing, we might get some very interesting whys. Yeah, it sounds yeah, like you've got, yeah. that's a yeah, heck of a motivation to. Yeah, you got to go deep and you got to, you have to figure out what's, I think the, the couple things. I, I find that when I say to myself, I'm no matter what, no matter what, I am finishing this race, I could break. And I know I run through it, break my arm. Fine, I got duct tape. <laughs> Do a shin, a, a foot, a toe, I don't care. I'm going to continue. The only thing is, it's either, you know, either we die or we, or we finish it. That's, that's basically it. It's a little extreme, but that's close to it. And I got to the point where, you know, in the night between that checkpoint and the gas station, you have to, you have to help yourself. And all I'm repeating is I am effing unstoppable. I am unstoppable. I am unstoppable. And that's all I keep saying to myself as I'm riding and down those hills, I'm bombing there in the middle of the night. I'm screaming out loud. Like I'm yelling because <laughs> two reasons, two reasons is because I'm scared to death. I'm going to hit a deer or a raccoon <laughs> or a bear or some stupid like that. So I'm trying to get him out of my way <laughs> and just letting it out. And I was getting a little chilly. So I was like, ah, I would love to be the farmer watching that. <laughs> on the sideline, just like it's uh, 2 a.m. He's not out. <laughs> that, <laughs> not sounds out like, that sounds like such a mental rush. Like, very creepy, but also just like kind of extremely empowering and like uh, yeah that is yeah, gives you that kind that of not boost. a lot of people are going to have yeah and that and that that's that's what i do and it's just mental it's just mentally getting yourself in that place and continue to stay there that's the hardest thing is like you get to that level most people can get themselves up for an hour right all right rah 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 you can get yourself going for an hour and it, but you're talking 30 hours, you know, after those first hundred miles, that might be the tough point, you know, and that 200 miles, that's it. That's, that's the one when you got to go another 150 miles, that's or 140 miles. That's, that's the challenge right there. And and then your diet comes into play, right? You're not diets. If you're not sufficient with what you need, just calorie intake. And my diet two months ago changed. I went strictly fat adaptive. 100 grams of carbs per 2200 calories so do the math a goo packet has like 25 grams of carbs one packet and you're talking how many i'm not eating i'm not eating the sugary products i'm not taking maltodextrin oh. so i don't take in the maltodextrins i take in non basically very little sugar mm -hmm. i'm eating macadamia nuts sunflower seeds uh, these keto bars that are huge, basically fat bombs. 
So once you train your body to become fat adaptive, now you're pulling, instead of having to produce all this glycogen, how bad did your stomach feel after 150 miles? Well, I had what you ate. two packets that day and one piece of pizza. How uh, many carbs is that per gram? So if you're, you're talking a lot, so, yeah, 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 a lot. And that's a lot of sugar you take in. Oh yeah. And that maltodextrin, it goes straight to your blood. It has a huge glycemic index. It, you wouldn't touch a goo pack for another two months. Oh yeah. That. And I, I did, I, I couldn't take any more after that. It'll wreck your stomach. And I'm not just saying goo. I'm not, not, not at all. I'm not saying any, any of those products, all those sugar products, anything. And they all use, they have to use multidextrin because you have to get to that point to work. Right. You had, you need, you need your body to say, okay, here's a quick intake. I got to produce, right. The liver has to produce the glycogen. And then it has to fire and all of a sudden, you, but if you could train your body and I'm going to tell you after that, after Iowa wind and rock, I felt a hundred times better than after the DKXL taking all the sugar. I took it. I'm not kidding you. The only thing my wrist is sore and a little bit of numbness in the fingers. My stomach wasn't wrecked. My feet were a little swollen, but I didn't have the joint pain that I had before. Yep. And that's one of the key with that carbohydrates right is that it creates swelling it increases swelling quite a bit so a lot to be said about it yeah so over how long did you say you rode for 30 hours 33 hours yeah. 33 how many uh calories did you take in just raw number of calories so i know exactly what i took in because I, <laughs> I, I, I had exactly i had fourteen thousand calories in so 14,000 calories were taken in, uh, 396 grams of carbohydrates. That's it. That's nothing. That's 10. <laughs> that's 10. That's 12 goo packets. Yeah. 12. Total. Well, total. equivalent. Right. That's an equivalent of that. And, and there's no way. So yeah, I'm looking at, I, I look at how do I, how do I, 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 I become more efficient, right? So eating on the bike, more efficient body to be more efficient, to burn fat rather than to go through glycogen stores. Yep. That's the way, that's the way we're doing it. A lot of the endurance athletes do that triathlon, you know, ultra endurance runners, they do insane amounts. Now here's the key (laughs) net carbs, right? One of the hardest thing is not to take in as much fiber because you know what fiber does. Yeah. You're going to be stopping to use the restroom. So that's the key to that's my key is like, how do I dial that in? So I'm trying to work with that now with the nutritionist. So I'm going to try kind of figuring that out. So you probably had to build into that, right? You didn't just switch. No, no, (laughs) no. I went went from 300 grams of carbs to 200 grams of carbs. And now I'm at a hundred. I'm going now between a hundred and to 50. So that's the goal is to get in, kind of get into that. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh man, that's, I can't, it's just so far. I, I've done, I did 150 miles and because my, I don't, I had all those goo packs and actually I didn't have any problems with it. I just physically could, would not touch them for another couple months, but I hadn't trained well enough. So I couldn't walk for like a week afterwards. Mm-hmm. My knee had torn itself apart. Oh, yeah, that's no good. Uh, yeah. I, I know now doing yoga, it actually will help significantly because you know, my, my tendons aren't, oh pulling itself apart yeah yeah it sounds Just, like you did what almost three times what uh, two times two two and a half and yeah. felt a hundred percent better afterwards oh absolutely. and it was on a single speed <laughs> yeah now, now i did have a little soreness in my in my left uh left knee but it wasn't the knee it was just a muscle 
just right above, you know, just a little, that little right above the knee there. So I had a little soreness, but that's just, you know, you're pushing up big gear up some big clients. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's normal. The muscle pain is going to be there, but I overdid it on that side. I think that was just the torquing, right? Up and down, lifting those bars. And I think that just put like a shin splint kind of feel. So right there in the wrist, that's it. That's it. But that's it. You're talking now we're, we're a week later and I'm almost like a hundred percent. And I was a hundred, I was fine day two. I mean, that's fine. So I'm signing up for the spotted horses here and I'm, I'm super interested in talking to all you, all the people who have done this distance so I can maybe get a gram of advice of how to be able to, you know, spotted horse 200 function. Is that 200? 150, 150 150. miles. 150. I think they have a 200 too. 150 or 200. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't done it. I'm going to tell you, this was the first Iowa gravel race I did. Mm -hmm. And I, I gotta say, I was very impressed. Good choice. Very Sarah, impressive. she has a reputation with this race. I'm telling you, she is going to go a long way as long as, as long as the way, yeah, it doesn't matter for us that do it, the weather, you know, it is what it is. You prepare for it. Yeah. It's you know, always I, bad I, for her rides usually. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll, I'll remember that the next time I do one, I'll be <laughs> yeah. out to do another one. She, she does put on a good race and everybody, everybody there was fabulous. Every volunteer. I, I couldn't thank them enough. They were, they did such a good job and she makes you know, such a big deal out of everything. Every, there's a lot of people on that course. I was so surprised. Like how many <laughs> volunteers she has is like amazing. Yeah. Like people, people just, they were all over. Yeah. Like that's cool. <laughs> out of nowhere, you know, Spotted a- horse, when I did it, I was surprised at how everybody knew everybody. There are people from Kansas city, Chicago, Minneapolis, and they all seem to know each other. I've, I haven't seen that before. And that's part of our podcast is connecting these communities to kind of see like, you want to ride 300 miles, go, you can do that. But so you've kind of touched on this already, but how do you feel the race went overall? Oh man, it was, <clears throat> my, my goal was one thing is to get to hundred with the group front group, 100, make a decision there as to where kind of what route I'd take. And I always know, you know, my, I'm going to, I will finish it. I was at, I wanted to finish in 30, 31 hours. That was kind of my, my go-to number for some reason. <clears throat> I did not realize that there were so many walls <laughs> that I had to climb. <laughs> like those, those were insane. Like I yeah. think they, looped, I think they went the first 20 miles and then we came back around and hit them again. I, I we hit some of them again. That sounds ins- like something Sarah would do is like, Ooh, this is a really hill. let's do it twice at the end of the race too, which is why I compared it to Michael Marks in San Diego, the, the way he puts his race same way. Like, yeah, let's make the hardest thing at the end. Holy yep. crap. We just did 138 miles. We just did 320 miles. So the last 20 miles are going to be just as brutal. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. But it was amazing. And I think what, you know, getting into that 200 is or 189. I think it was where we the second checkpoint. There were some people there that did not, they were looking rough and I saw Kai move. I saw Kai come in. I was so excited to see Kai and another female. And I was like, yes, two. Cause I'm pulling. Like there are certain times when I, I look at these races, I'm like, I'd love seeing our, our women finishers. Like it's so exciting. Like I showed up at the XL and there's a, there's a gal on a single speed wearing boots with flat pedals and she <laughs> finishes. She was such a badass. You want somebody on your podcast, get her. She's freaking amazing. All right. We'll write that down. Female with boots on a single speed. <laughs> yeah, dude. She fit. Look up 2019 DKXL and you'll find her. Uh, Alex, 
Alexander or something, something like that. Anyway, Alex, that amazing. So that inspired me. Like that's <laughs> my inspiration. Some gal who's obviously in cutoffs and boots and flat pedals doing 350 miles. That to me is inspiring. <laughs> like, like people ask me what inspires me that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. all day, all day. You know, get on anybody that gets on their bike is, is inspiring. Was there anything that came up that you thought was, I don't know, really interesting along the ride? When I did it, for example, when I did not that one, when I did the 150 <laughs> miles. Yeah, calm down, Anthony. Yeah, I, it was like 11 o'clock at night and I came to this railroad crossing and an Amtrak train went by and I could see all the people in like the dining cars looking at me and it, it just about <laughs> broke me spiritually it was almost a spiritual experience just being like what am i doing (laughs) i should be in there (laughs) freezing cold yes i think one of the i was driving okay so the tree in the middle of the road do you know this thing yep oh Oh, it's famous okay so i'm coming over the compressing and it's dark and all of a sudden I see lights down there and there's somebody doing donuts around the tree in a pickup truck. I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. I'm like, I'm going to ride down there. They're going to be drinking PBR and I'm just going to have to get a hand up. Like I swear <laughs> I touched something. It was one of the guys, one of the volunteers. Oh crap. <laughs> it was awesome. I was like, yes, that is so great. Like that was awesome. Like that kind of stuff like that right there is so random, but it was pretty epic. Yeah. yeah, I told him later. I thought I was gonna. I seriously thought he was gonna give me a hand up, or, or you know, I, I figured there were there was PBR involved. Number one, then I thought, well, either that or he's out shooting raccoons or something. I didn't know. Just or maybe both. I kind of slowed down and was like, I'm ready for whatever, but let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go coon hunt and drink some beer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, is it was awesome. the funniest. It was pretty epic. I gotta it's say so that. It was so, it's like midnight. I don't even know what time it was. I don't know. Whenever it was, it was late. It was dark, but that was pretty funny. Yeah, nothing too crazy happened. I mean, I pulled into the C store, yeah, whatever store it was, and the guy at at the shop was listening to Eminem, the same song over and over and over and over again. No, that's that's the craziest thing. <laughs> and he was kind of, and he was kind of swaying back and forth on his two feet, you know, like one foot to the, on the balls of his feet, like this melodic, just kind of bouncing. I'm like, what is going on with this guy? And all I did is go in and get a cup of coffee and sat around for enough to hear the song like six times monsters by Eminem or something. What, it was. what time was oh that? My gosh, it's four five, six in the morning. So that kind of leads to a question I've had is when you've been up that long going that hard, do you ever just like have almost like delusions of stuff? Because I've heard that can happen to people of like, oh, look, there's just a giant dragon hanging out beside me. Yeah, no, I don't get that. I don't have that happen. I I don't have I don't have that. I mean, maybe I guess you'll have to ask everybody else who went in the store if he was listening to the same song (laughs) over and over. Maybe that was my delusion. I don't know. That's exactly why I asked. (laughs) I bought a come and go sweatshirt. (laughs) <laughs> because I was, I had the chill on me cause it was 39 degrees or something. So I had that chill. I couldn't get rid of Yep, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. So I took my shirt off and I'm like, Oh, first another interesting, I'm in the bathroom. So this is four or five in the morning and I'm cleaning myself up, putting more chamois butter on it. And there's a guy I can hear him outside the stall moaning, <laughs> like groaning. And he says, sir, sir, 
like, I need to use the bathroom. My stomach's really, I'm like, listen, dude, I'm cleaning myself up. I just rode 300 miles. You're going to have to wait. <laughs> so, I'm like, I'm waiting to go out this step out. And this guy's like wrecked himself or something. No, he was in. So he's, it's, it's 39 degrees. He's in flip-flop shorts and a tank top. I'm like, somebody partied a little too hard. Yeah. Go on, get on in there. He's like, oh. Bella doubled over. It was too funny. Oh my that's God. the time the weird stuff starts happening. Three oh, it's hilarious. I'm like, dude, you drank way too much. That's your problem. That and your Molly, you probably did something else and now you wrecked your stomach. Yep. Oh my gosh. Well, so kind of a, a two-part question. You said you'll be back for one of Sarah's races in the future. Would you do Iowa again? Oh, absolutely. I can see doing that again. I could see going out and actually going for the win instead of just riding it. Cause I think this will be my last, this will, this will probably be my last go around at unfound with all the changes and everything mm-hmm. we're focused on. U S military team is focused on other events. One of them is Rebecca's private Idaho. So we'll be up there doing that this year in September. So I got a couple good, good events on my, on my calendar this year. We'll see. I love traveling. I love meeting everybody's so great in this industry. And you know that you guys, you talk to everybody. Have you ever, have you ever met a complete jerk? I mean, except like, a driver giving you a hard time on your bike. But other than that, really in cycling, not rare on the ride, man, people are so nice. It's just a community trying to help, especially where I'm at. Cause I'm not going to win anything. So those guys are back there. (laughs) Like, I hope I make it. And you should get back to where I am. We're all best friends and we're praying that we don't get left for the wolves. (laughs) You're back there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's awesome. So I guess to finish up, that question. So I think the gearing is an obvious one, but is there anything else that you would change if you were to do the ride again? I probably would have worked a little harder on my core because I never had, I don't have that uh, cycling palsy would be nice not to have the numbness and the feelings. But other than that, I was not prepared. I wasn't a hundred percent prepared going in mentally. I was mentally. I knew I'd be fine. I would finish it. And that was the whole goal is just to finish that. Now, next time I go, it might be a different story. It might be go out there and we're going to hammer and win it. Now, could I have stayed with James? Uh, Yeah. If I wanted to, I probably could have. I might have had to climb some of those hills a little harder than I wanted to. But I just, that wasn't my, that wasn't the end goal. So, yeah, I come back out. I'll I'll definitely come out to win it. And I bring both bikes, the geared bike and the single speed, because if it gets muddy, that single speed is all I'm riding. If you are interested, uh, the spotted horse has 150 and 200 mile. I know it's not very far, but. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's, those are the dangerous ones. Like 160, hundred K is actually dangerous for us endurance riders Why because that? we don't, because we don't prepare. Mm. Oh. We won't prepare as hard for a hundred, hundred mile race or a hundred K race or 80 mile race because it's 80 miles. What can, what can go wrong? Everything can go wrong because you will bonk in that race. It's the weirdest thing you go. And I've done it. I, I mean, I'm, I've just finished it, but it's like, yeah, you don't prepare as hardcore as you do for something like 302 to 350 miles. It's weird. And you're mentally, you're fine, but it's like your body is, you, you just didn't do it well enough. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it makes sense because, you know, even when I do like, not a, a, I do marathon mountain bike racing because I think it's fun. Oh, so when awesome. I'm doing, when I do something on a, sing, on a single speed, oh, God, on no. single speed? come on. <laughs> All right. I'll convert my bike. I was thinking about doing it. So I might do You're it. You're going to convert your fully rigid no. and do it. Oh, it has- you, to- you so should, man. You so <laughs> should go freaking hardtail and just 
single speed it. Yeah, so anyways, you're saying, I'm sorry. A while. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, you do a marathon. And so you're like, oh boy, I'll prepare for that. And then you get a ride that's like 20 miles, a race. And you're like, I'll be fine. I think you're butt handed to you because you're used yeah. to four hours. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'll do, I'll do some random road. <laughs> so I rode to Emporia. This is my go-to ride to Emporia. I rode back to Lawrence, did a crit. Oh, geez. <laughs> Yeah. After a hundred some miles out back under a hundred. And, and then I decided to jump in a crit that was like and then know, you won. 40, 40 minutes. Now I finished 12th or 11th or something out of 40 years. I mean, I top 10, but still it's yeah, that's, but your top end is, I mean, you're it's gone, right? That sprint's gone. If you're going to do a marathon mountain bike race and then jump in a, you know, a, a 20 miler, you have no sprint, right? You just, right. That endurance, you're that diesel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what I was going to say about the spotted horse is it, uh, yeah, spotted horse. October 22nd is when it is uh, 150 or 200 miles. I think 23rd. And yeah, it's the 23rd of October, October 23rd. Mm-hmm. and registration opens May 1st. And it's the same group that did I war the exact same. Nice. group. Oh yeah. Was that Steve too? And yep. Sarah, Steve, Steve Sarah. Dory. Yeah. They were awesome. It was a Rosie there too. That was at one of the stops. She was hilarious. Rose, Rose Wiley. Wiley. She is. Oh my Rose. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. She was so funny. Somebody I can't remember who somebody handed her his phone or call my wife, something like that. Yeah. He had long hair. I remember he had long hair and he said, oh, call cool. my wife and something. Yeah. It was a call. You'll have to ask him. You'll have to ask him because Rose called his wife. She must know his wife, obviously, or texted her. And she's like, do you want me to tell her that you're sorry for being such an, you know, an a-hole? Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess he was short or not nice to her, too. <laughs> I remember yeah. this conversation happening. It was pretty funny. And she, yeah, they were great at the SAGs or at the checkpoints. Last year, we were actually at the event. So we hung out with them at the checkpoints a little bit and. Oh, had a good time. Rose knows everybody and she will give everybody crap. <laughs> so. was yeah, that whole group was hilarious. They were they were funny. It was a night, but see, that's that's what you need after 200 miles. Oh, you yeah. need somebody like that, right? You need that pep there. And and they were so cool. All the water bottles, they're what do you need? We'll take your trash. You know, that is I'm not used to that, right? <laughs> like having your own team right there. So it was oh. cool. Sorry about that. Yeah, that was, Come up here more. That was all pro, man. That was all pro. Like that was super, super pro. Great. But well, we're kind of running short on time here. So I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. I'm yeah. I'm very glad you reached out to us and we're willing to talk to us. Yeah. Well, awesome that, that, to I'll you. tell you that. Yeah, that that whole thing that happened just was so weird and random. But the cycling community came through like crazy like gangbusters man like yep and everybody they all just pulled in and pulled together and that's why i'm like and i always tell i always try to reach out to the guys that are like cat five or whatever cat three and mountain bike you know i always try to reach out to those guys because those guys you know we we need everybody to stick around right whether it's mountain biking road cyclocross gravel yeah right we need that community to stick together and that's why we have we did this podcast is so that people can kind of see the different communities we generally focus on getting newer people in because they might not know that you can do a, you know, a 25 mile ride with friends in Grinnell, Iowa. But this event is just, it's just too cool not to cover. (laughs) It's very cool. It is so crazy that I think a hundred people signed up. Is that right? And then 60 some showed up and then there's only 11. Yeah. That's just the attrition is insane. Like that's insane to me. Yeah. Steve was saying, we talked to him like 
I think the week before and he'd sent out, you know, the first of the like the post or the pre-race emails. And he said it was really funny because it's kind of that kick to people of like, oh, I signed oh, up for what now. <laughs> they had several oh, people contact crap. him and drop out right after that. Like whether they they didn't know they'd actually signed up for it or if they just yeah. realized oh, they're like, they, oh shit, I'm not trained. Yeah. Yeah, I got that. And I was like, all right. Oh, what's funny is we had we had booked the wrong hotel or the wrong dates on the hotel, so we had to hurry up and find another one. So, <laughs> I'm like, oops, well, that, that we happens. Live, we live only a little north, so if you ever do it again, you can just stay here. Although, if we tell uh, too many people that, we're gonna. Oh have- my god, don't do that! You're gonna have a whole house, <laughs> which isn't the worst thing. I'm just ten bucks ahead. There you go. Yeah, there'll be a camp out <laughs> in the backyard. So, oh yeah. That's Anything else that you want people to know about your race? No, no, you guys, you guys did great and covered, covered everything. And I'm sure the next folks will have some awesome. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the last 10 miles, I think it was, or five miles, Kai, the female one who, the gal who won the race came flying by. I was just so excited to see her. I was like, yeah, go. Yeah. Her. I'm, I'm excited to talk to her. That'll, that'll be She's fun. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks guys. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, have a good day. We have- see you at the spotted horse. Well, I hope to. That sounds awesome. Have a wonderful evening. All right, you too. Bye-bye.